We're going to start with uh, an interactive intro because everyone loves a good old-fashioned Bible quiz, right? Testing your biblical literacy. So here we go. What book of the Torah is quoted more than 80 times in the New Testament? You're going to, Good, good, good. What book of Torah did Yeshua quote from more than any other? Very good. From what book in the Torah does Yeshua draw the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God. You're doing great. I know this is challenging, but what book of the Torah includes Moses' charge and farewell address to Israel? Very good. Derives its English name from a funny-sounding Greek word. Excellent. Means second law when translated from Greek to English. Excellent. I knew that I was doing a good job teaching you guys here. You have really mastered this. What book have we started reading today? Yes. What book would be valuable for us to connect to and study since it is such an incredibly valuable and influential part of the teaching of Messiah in the Gospels? Exodus. No, Deuteronomy. You got it. But first, a question. Why? It's always the question I ask. Why? Why what? Why do we need to do this? Why in the world? Better yet, actually, why did Moses need to do this? Why is there a second reading, a second Torah? That's one of the ancient names of the book of Deuteronomy, Mishneh Torah, the repetition of the Torah. And I was, I was thinking this week about the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim, which we mean, we know that last week we learned that Devar is word, Devarim means words. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel. That's where the name of the book comes from. But here's my question. Didn't he already speak these words? We have just spent the last four books, really three books, learning and hearing these things. Why? I went so far as to have this mental picture. I pictured all Israel, and this is all Israel. The interesting thing about all in Hebrew is it doesn't necessarily mean all. People derive scriptural conclusions when they see the word all and don't understand the nuance of that word. But in this case, it means all. Everybody was there to hear Moses say this. Now, keep in mind, they are in a wilderness in the Middle East, walking a lot every day, camping out in the desert. It was 97 degrees a couple days in Macon this week. I wanted to submerge myself in scuba gear under an ice bath and just stay there. It's miserable when it's that hot. Now, Israel in the summer in the wilderness on the plains of Moab, you can imagine they're all, Moses is saying, everybody get out here. Get out here. We're going to talk. And here was this, here was this thing, this picture. I wondered if they all kind of shuffled out there miserably and looked up at Moses and they're thinking, he says to them, he begins his reiteration of Torah, which in essence is a pretty stern tongue lashing of the people of Israel. 
all the things that they had done wrong and the places they'd done them. And basically he says, you know what? God cursed me because of you. You're horrible people to try to lead. (laughs) So they've been drug out. Everybody's crammed together. There's no social distancing in the plains of Moab. And it's hot. And Moses begins the Torah. And here's what I imagine. This is me. Here he goes again. The Torah, the Torah, he's going to do it again. Law, law, law. Didn't we already hear this? I mean, what is it with this guy? Legalism, man. He's such a legalist. I'm ready. I want to dip my feet in the Jordan. I'm ready to go swimming. I don't need to hear this again. Why? That would be me. Why did they need to hear it again? Well, first off, realize that of the 200 laws that are in the book of Devarim, there are some 70 new ones that are given. So it's technically not a total repetition. There's new information here that people needed to learn. But more important observation is this. These are new people. These are different people. These are not the people who died in the wilderness. These are the people who are going into Israel. They're not the ones that Moses originally gave the Torah to. Different people, different time, different place, and most importantly, a radically different situation lay ahead of them. What was the situation? They're going into the land. It's been 39 years. They're going into the land. It's time to do that. And that different situation would present different challenges. And that is uh, an important and miraculous realization about Torah. And the Bible as a whole really has this ability to communicate with us across millennia. From Genesis now to Revelation, what we have the, the, the remarkable ability to communicate with us in infinite ways through an infinite number of situations, challenges, ups and downs and everything. And for me, that is actually the strongest confirmation that the Bible is a, is, is inspired. I prefer the word supernatural and I don't mean any kind of weird thing. I just mean above natural. It's not normal that writing on a page could do this, could speak to you across so many times, places, and situations. It's a supernatural book. The older I get, the more I humbly admit how little I actually know I read an amazing quote this week. It was, the question was asked of some influential person, if you could put your name on a billboard anywhere, I mean, if you could put a quote anywhere for everyone to see, what would it be? Learn more, no less. Learn more, no less. And that's what I am finding out as I age. The more I learn, the less I know. And everybody, I think, many people that I've talked to older than me say that. But the more I learn about the sacred text that we hold so dear, it is impossible, I'm sorry to say, to admit that there are not difficulties in the text. In the sense of contradictions and different numbers and different 
pieces of manuscripts that aren't in original things, and, and the scholars and the skeptics debate these things nonstop, and I'm not smart enough to be able to counteract the skeptic or the scholar argument in many cases. All I know is that the Bible speaks literally to you and to me. And you've heard me say this before. Every week, just about, I wake up on a Sunday with the fear of the relentless return of Shabbat, right? Six days, got to have a new fresh message and teaching, got to inspire the people. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes I'll finish the Elenu and my have this, ah, time to go home. Oh, got to prepare another message. What am I going to say next week? But amazingly and miraculously, though certainly some are better than others, God always finds a way to speak through his word. And that's pretty miraculous. It's the same Torah. It's speaking to us in different situations. Personally, congregationally, nationally, it meets us where we are. Same Torah, same words, same thing we read last year, same characters. You know the outcome of every story. There are no cliffhangers in the Torah. You know all of the mitzvot. We've either talked about them or you've read them or you're doing them. And yet reading it, hearing it, studying through it in all of life's ups and downs changes us and speaks to us in these different situations. It continues to be profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Man, that is good. I should write that down. You get it? Paul said that, Lance. I, I, I. So were they miserable in the desert? Were they like me, sighing and asking themselves, why in the world do we have to hear this again, Moses? No, they weren't. They were probably hanging on every word because in front of them spanned a new horizon. And they had come to know by trusting in Moses and the word that he brought from God that it was a good thing to listen. Fast forward. They might not have been thinking that. They weren't thinking that. Why is it and isn't it interesting that today so many believers do think that? How many of you have ever wanted to share some great profound thing that you discovered in the Torah or, or some mitzvah or some interpretation of something that you read and you want to share it with, with your brother or sister from the church and you get that look that look that is that why is he always talking about the Old Testament look that doesn't she know that Jesus fulfilled all this look the look that says why are you telling me these things they don't matter to me I have had that look. I would imagine that you probably have had that look too. And it's unfortunate that for most part, much of the world has lost the picture and beauty and depth of a huge section of the Bible. 39 books that just kind of 
whittled away. And the most amazing thing of all, the most amazing thing of all is why those things and those those books and those words don't get attention. Why is that? Why don't people read them? Why don't they study them? Why don't more pastors talk about Torah and law? Why? Because the Messiah of Israel came and did away with all that. That's the amazing thing, is that the reason is because Yeshua supposedly fulfilled all that with any sincere study of the words of Yeshua. We can pretty easily decipher that he was teaching Torah. He was reiterating it. He was Mosesing it. He was devereming it. He was bringing it back to people that needed to hear it for a new and different, difficult situation and circumstance with which they were in. That was first century Israel, where there was so much craziness and mishigas, insanity going on, the people needed guidance. Israel was in turmoil, under occupation, religiously conflicted. And so he came to reiterate the Torah, to bring blessing and protection that living by the Torah could bring, and which they had most likely drifted very far from. And thus, just like Moses, who was saying to his people who are about to go into the land, do not do what your ancestors did and abandon this word. It will go badly for you. Here's the repetition. So Yeshua comes again to the Jewish people and says, listen, there's a time of horrendous destruction coming. If you will repent, that means return to Torah, then I'll bring the kingdom. And it didn't happen. If Yeshua were running for office back then, his t-shirts would have said, Make Torah Great Again. (laughs) By the way, let's just cut to the end of the chapter. Messiah for President 2020. The Shadows of the Messiah commentary has this great bit on it. The second Redeemer, the Messiah, will be like the first Redeemer. Just as Moses reiterated the Torah and it became like a new Torah as he did, the Messiah will reveal a new Torah to the world in the Messianic era. That is to say, Messiah is bringing the new Torah. Moses, as I said, in essence, he sort of brought a new Torah. There were some additions, some 70 additions that made it more relevant. And so, there's an objection to that. There's an objection to the idea of a new Torah, Yeshua having anything to do with Torah. And here it is. It sounds something like this. Because my favorite way that I see so many people read Matthew 5 is to say, when Yeshua says, I did not come to abolish, not to abolish, but to fulfill, right? The, the, the interpretation of that scripture so widely held is, I did not come to abolish. Not to abolish, but to abolish. That's in essence what it looks like in so many places. So no, he has a, he's brought a new Torah. And here's the objection for those who say, well, of course he didn't come to abolish the Torah. That's ridiculous. He brought a brand new one. 
He bought a, he brought a brand new one. God's instruction is still valid and good, but the one he brought is not that old, mean Old Testament God Torah. He bought a, he brought a Jesus Torah. He brought a new one. Okay. Well, what does it say? Well, love. That's the Torah of Messiah. It was boiled down. He did it for you. Uh, Rabbi Damien, can't you read? He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Um, but it also says all the rest of them hang on that. Oh, that doesn't matter. Actually, let's make it more simple for you, Rabbi, because you seem to be conflicted and confused. He went on in John 13 to say this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And there you have it. Yeshua and his Mishnah Torah, his Deuteronomy, his second law, right? It just says, move all that away and love. Now listen to me. Love is important. Love does undergird everything. But here's a scenario I'd like you to consider. Imagine one of my daughters found themselves in a very difficult situation, a new and challenging situation, which I knew if this is not navigated properly, this is going to go badly for her. So I sat her down. I gathered her into the planes of our living room and said, be seated. Father would like to speak. <laughs> My dear, precious 16-year-old, who I've loved and cared and taught all these years to protect, guide, bless, and lead you. There are some difficult times ahead. So today, I'm giving you a new command. Today and every day from today, I just want you to love people. <sighs> to which she would gladly interpret, awesome, incredible. That means that I don't have to do anything else you ever said before? That's right. New rule. Nothing but love. She would love that. I know my 19-year-old would. Be like the roadrunner on the cartoons. Out the door. I'm going to love dad enough. Thanks. Isn't that ridiculous to imagine? But in essence, when we... When we even allow the idea to be communicated or propagated that Messiah Yeshua did away with everything that came before simply so that we could love one another, it's, it's in essence a very similar argument. Now, I mean, how else is there to learn what it means to love? unless it's from the continued study of this supernatural book that I'm talking about that speaks to us across 
volumes, across eons, but it also involves communication and study between us. Love is important. It undergirds all things. Rabbi, you're overstepping. You're being dramatic. You're drawing conclusions that don't really exist among the disciples that I've met. I've met a lot of disciples, and I have had many an argument, sadly, that I didn't handle very well. Now, I had a really interesting conversation this week at the gym with a guy that uh, I've talked to several times, but we never had much of a much of a theological discussion, but we started talking about it, and he told me, I, I, I became a believer much later in life, and, you know, I was on that Jesus high, and I've been chasing it ever since, which that's an interesting statement. But he said, early on in my walk, I was listening to all these teachers, and, and all they ever taught was the New Testament. And I came to realize, my goodness, I feel like I don't even know the rest of the story. Man, that should resonate with us because we invest ourselves in the rest of the story. We invest ourselves, even if it means hearing the words over and over and over again. So facing changes with an unchanging word. Times change, people change, situations change, but the power of this word we're studying together does not. It was spoken in Exodus. Moses reiterated it in, Deuteron in Deuteronomy. Yeshua reiterated it. He elucidated it. And he will shine its brightest light on it when he returns. It endures forever. Moses knew, so he told them again, Yeshua knew, so he told them again. And friends, we know that. So we're going to read it again, and we're going to discuss it again, and we're going to talk about it again, and we're going to try to apply it to our lives again. And yet, as I said, Moses did bring a new Torah, sort of, with new applications and new insights, new and better Torah. Yeshua certainly brought something new, though not not eradicating what came before. And I know you've heard me preach a message like this in 11 years. I don't even know how many times. 50 or 60 messages about the relevance of Torah. But it's Deuteronomy. It's saying something again. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to repeat myself. <laughs> the Bible brings new life, new interpretations, new focus to our new and different situations. And our apl application point, though, is that you have to be willing to hear it. You have to be willing to see things differently from a new point of view. The more I study, the less I know. The more I understand and see the failures, radical, disgusting failures of dogma and religion, it's disturbing to me. And I can't tell you the number of mistakes that I've made in biblical discussions with people who probably would have liked to have learned by saying, you're wrong. I know, I know, I know. I'm telling you the truth. This is the only thing. The generations that are falling away from the word of God will not respond to I know. I'm sorry. You can call me a progressive. You can call me a liberal. You can call me uh, an idiot. But I talk to these people. I talk to these young people. They want to have discussions. They want to have engagement.
They don't want dogma. And so part of our process and part of what I'm encouraging you to do and me is to learn more and know less and be willing to engage in these discussions with the Michael Higginbothams, the Zachary Heads, the Taylor Eisners, the Lexi Princes, who are going to undergird the future of our country and our world. And that was a side note, I'm sorry. But the more, the more, Rabbi, you're suggesting to me that there, you, you, you sound like, it sounds like you're saying there's no truth. No, there is a truth. You just don't happen to know it all, and neither do I. And as soon as Yeshua comes and elucidates it all for you, we will know in full, as Paul says. Right now we see through a glass dimly. So yes, we continue to study the same words, the same texts, the same stories, the same characters, and somehow the one who we stand before is able to transform our hearts on an, a continual basis. Deuteronomy is the second law. Quoted in Gospels, rest of the New Testament, 80 times, more than any other book. Yeshua quoted from it more than any other book. And I know you know everything I've said before, and I probably will say it again. But as we proceed through Moses' reiteration, with God's help, with his blessing, we're going to complete another cycle of the Torah, all five books. And then we're going to turn it over and we're going to do it again. And it's going to tell you something different next year. But for now... Have the power of now to let all of the way too many words that I just said over the last however long I've been talking. Let the ones that need to get where they're going get there and then do something with them. The Devarim. We have Tisha B'Av coming up. It is said by the rabbis that the temple was destroyed for baseless hatred. That is for hating without cause. My goodness. Look around. Not in this room, but in that world. This is as relevant today as it was then. Baseless hatred is on the rise. We must use God's Torah Messiah's instruction as our compass for life and to be a light in the world who needs to hear his voice. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MakinMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.